who would ever think that it would be important to have a doctor that's got an MBA, and I certainly wasn't in that position early on. Deciding to go back to school was probably the best decision that I've made in a very long time. The ability to understand healthcare as a business has opened my eyes to the future in medicine in ways that I could have never believed. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There's a Better Way. I'm here with uh, Dr. David Cohn, physician and chief medical officer at the James Cancer Hospital at the Wexner Medical Center. Welcome to the program, David. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here today. So, David, I know you're a physician and you're also uh, an MBA student in uh, the Fisher Executive MBA program. Tell us more about your journey so far. Uh, what made you think about uh, getting an MBA? Yeah, it's really an amazing journey because I came into medicine with the desire to take care of patients and started here at Ohio State in 2001 and have been through the process of um, starting at the truly at the bottom as a new faculty member and then finding myself in positions of leadership, uh, whether it was a training program, a division of physicians, and then found an opportunity to be in an administrative leadership role at the hospital level and recognized that there were a lot of opportunities that I had to think of things related to strategy, to think about budgets in ways that I'd never really considered before. And so I've always had a, an interest in business, but this was to me the perfect opportunity to combine my medical knowledge and interest, combine my fascination with business and my administrative role together to culminate in at least the pursuit of an MBA degree. Okay, great. So, in fact, going back to your uh, leadership role at the uh, James, I know it's a it's a, a billion-dollar organization. The way I see that, the facility itself, right? I know it's a very recently um, uh, developed entity. The whole building and the facility. Talk us through what what I know. It's it's well known for uh, cancer. Obviously, that's the thing. Tell us more about like what what are some things that people don't know about the James. So the James, while it, the current James building was built five years ago. I think the James as an entity was something that there was a vision actually in the late 60s and early 70s to mm -hmm. build exemplary cancer care in Columbus, Ohio by Dr. James, who himself was a surgeon and oncologist. Mm. And so this has been a, a path that's been going on for quite some time. And the execution on that you know, desire to build the hospital started in the late 1980s with our first building. And we've grown from over 100 beds to now almost 350 beds in our current cancer hospital. And it is delivering the highest quality of care. Um, we pride ourselves in being a relatively efficient operation, have very high uh, quality in terms of the delivery of the care itself, but also high touch in terms mm -hmm. of the patient experience and the satisfaction with the care that's delivered. So that's what the current James model looks like. Um, we are a very busy hospital as well, where our occupancy almost approaches 100% on most mid-week days. Mm. Uh, so we're actually finding that the capacity that we built is still not enough to sustain our, you know, our future for cancer care. Mm. Interesting, David. In fact, uh, going back to your role, so again, cancer, we all know, is a terminal uh, illness. And, uh, and one of the things that I, in my research, have seen 
is the whole idea of getting more empathy, uh, designing more empathetical care. And that's always tough, I know, because, again, empathy is something that has to be developed through, right? So what are you doing at the, at the James to actually develop that kind of a culture? Because, obviously, the numbers point out that um, there are, uh, like, the, the patient satisfaction scores are high, and things are really good there. So what are some best practices going on at the James along those lines? I think that's a really great observation you've made, that you know the empathy that's provided by the entire staff, including the nurses, the physicians, and every single person that works at the James is really what we're able to do to deliver that value to the patient. Um, you know, our, our vision is to create a cancer-free world, mm -hmm. uh, one patient and one discovery at a time. And when you start from that description, my hope is that everything falls from that. So in terms of empathy and the care that's delivered, um, we all believe in the patient is the center of our universe based mm -hmm. on that statement I made. And when you deliver care that is patient-centered, um, you have to reflect constantly on why it is that we, why it is that we do what we do. Mm. And if you don't keep the patient in the center of that, then you do lose the compassion and the empathy that's key. The challenge is, is that as we see that physicians and nursing staff have an increased level of burnout, meaning that you end up feeling a bit detached mm. sometimes, or you feel that you're not getting satisfaction from your job, you have to be very intentional in ensuring that the staff is able to be and the physicians are able to deliver that care. So we've invested recently in, um, in wellness, wellness programs across the university, mm. across the nursing staff, and across now the James Cancer Physicians mm. to ensure that um, we are preserving the capacity for those physicians to be as empathetic and compassionate as possible by ensuring that we are paying attention to things more than just they're seeing patients day to night, we have to make sure that they are physically and mentally in a mm. place where they're able to do that. So that's one of, been one of the very big and important initiatives is the investment in physician wellness. Mm, interesting, very interesting, David. In fact, again, um, you have a very busy life as a physician, but you're now finding some time to actually come and get an MBA degree. And I know that uh, the administrative things that you mentioned earlier, MBA can help, right? So what are you le learning so far in this journey? I know you're, you're in the middle of this journey, soon to be graduating from the Fisher as an MBA grad, right? It's a proud MBA grad. What are you learning so far? You're seeing a big smile on my face right now. The, um, <laughs> the whole idea about graduating uh, with an MBA degree is quite remarkable. Nothing I ever thought that I would do. So I am incredibly proud of that, but also very happy that I made the decision. Time is limited, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad that I've made the sacrifices that I've had to to try to to get to this point because what I've learned in this Fisher MBA is truly invaluable. Mm -hmm. um, I, to me, the couple things that I learned most importantly is the value of a network. Mm -hmm. And as a physician, it's really interesting. Our network is our peers. Mm -hmm. And so we have our physicians that we work with day in, day out. You bounce things off of to figure out if you're doing the right thing for patients, mm -hmm. getting new ideas. But I think this program has really expanded my horizons in what a network is and the importance of that network too. So I'm in my class, I've got individuals in manufacturing, I've mm. got individuals in different industries, in the military, in education. Mm. And so this has really provided me an increased breadth and knowledge of different industries and how they can help in what we do in healthcare. But I think that operationally, the other thing that I really learned is the importance of you know the simple concept of having a strategy, mm -hmm developing the support that's needed to execute on that strategy, 
executing, iterating, and then rewarding to make sure that you're in a position where that strategy is uh, able to be successful and be durable as well. And so while that might seem somewhat simple, mm -hmm. I think the entire program has really emphasized those key components to make sure that if you have a goal as a corporation, as a hospital, as an industry, that you're able to actually get to that goal at the end and ensure that you're successful, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. Mm. The point that you made about, David, <clears throat> learning from other industries, that's, that's something that's remarkably important. The way I see this is like, at least from, and I want you to think about, like, tell me more about this, because you mentioned that you are in a classroom with a manufacturing person, with somebody from education. So, and, but then they all have their own problems and you have your own problems, right? So how do you then connect it? Like what, what are some things where you're saying, okay, boy, I can, I, I can now relate to that production line problem that this, my colleague had here or this challenge this person had here. What are some ways that you're connecting across these industries? So I'd say that in medicine, operations is a really important component to ensure that, for example, in the operating room, mm -hmm. you start a surgery, you finish your day, things are as efficient as possible, supply chain is a key as well. So these are things that in healthcare we do day in and day out. Mm. But when I talk to somebody who manufactures shoes, mm -hmm. they have a supply chain issue as well. They have operations issues. So I'm actually gaining a ton of information about how they manage you know, the logistics. Mm. And so we've got logistics issues as well. So you pull in all these different ideas. I mentioned the military as well. Mm. When you think about structure in military and how uh, you have to be able to be embedded in one in one military component on this day, and then two weeks later, you're in a different unit. Mm. The capacity to actually do a job under a different leadership is so important because, again, in the military, they talk about this is our strategy, this mm. is what we do. It doesn't matter necessarily who you're with at that moment or the other moment because, again, that strategy is exactly the same and the execution is quite similar. So it's things like that that you pick up from other industries that have really helped in the way that I perceive my own role mm. uh, as an administrator in a hospital to try to take our hospital to the next level too. That's great, David. In fact, like, what's next for you now? Now that you're actually looking at this, how are you going to apply this back and what's next for you post the MBA world? Well, I'm really excited to have um, the ability now to have the structure to work on that execution piece. Mm. And so uh, when you look at my specific role, um, where I've got physicians that are in the hospital that report to me, mm -hmm. we've already begun doing things. And it's funny because even the first month, um, in learning about strategy and organizational behavior and economics, I was able to apply in the very first month of my MBA mm. ideas that translated to actually tangible outcomes in the job that I do, mm. and that's just continued. So I don't think it's gonna be a huge change post-graduation because mm -hmm. this is something that I've been doing actually since starting the program. Thinking more about how to interact with those that report to me, mm -hmm. making sure that they're incentivized in the right way to deliver upon um, the strategy that we've discussed together and work on their execution as well. I think those are pieces that are together. I'm a lot more heavily invested now in looking at uh, spreadsheets in terms of resources that are mm. required that I can really analyze um, some of the financial decisions that are made. And as we're even talking about different ventures and new businesses that we're thinking of pursuing in the hospital, I have a whole new appreciation for the finance component as well, mm. whether it's mergers, acquisitions, joint ventures, things that I never thought about before that now really do make a whole lot more sense. 
So clearly this has helped you to understand the business of healthcare from a standpoint of, again, it's very important to manage healthcare from two sides of the thing. Clearly the patient journey, you've always been doing that. The MBA program helps you to understand the business and the dynamics of people in healthcare. And I think that's really key because in healthcare, again, for our not-for-profit organization, our goal is to actually, at the end of the year, provide some level of margin to reinvest mm -hmm. um, that would allow us to take our patient care to the next level, to take that patient experience to the next level, and ensure that our high-quality care that we've always had continues to be delivered. So having that business and healthcare, patient care side together, I think is a huge compliment for what I do. So what are you going to do with all the free time now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now it's time for execution. Sure. Um, so that's that's what's going to happen with free time, is the structure that I've begun learning in the Fisher MBA. Now it's time to really apply that to real life. And uh, I think the execution side is going to be a whole lot of fun. That's great. And learning never stops. So again, um, good luck with all your uh, future endeavors, David. And uh, it's very nice having you in our podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. Nice to see you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.